the middle of a series right now uh, that's called Garden to Garden. And in the beginning, when God created man, he created them in the? In the garden. And when he made them and he made all of creation, he said that it was? It was good. You could say that better. It was? Good. Okay. But it wasn't good for too long, right? They didn't make it too long. And, and I don't, the Bible doesn't really tell you how long it was between uh, it was good and it was not so good. But it, it seems as though in the timeline that it's only a few days, right? Just a short amount of time that goes by uh, before Eve and Adam sin, right? And they walk out of the favor of the Lord and all of that stuff. But, uh, but anyway, we are, we are calling this garden to garden because when, when Eve and Adam, when Adam and Eve, they, they took a bite of that forbidden fruit, right? They sinned against the Lord and they went from living in the garden with God to a place really signing a contract that would end their life in the grave, but that's not the way that God really wanted it to stay. And we all know uh, who helped it so that we could get back to the Lord. His name is? Okay, we just sang the song and we said Jesus like 75 times, <laughs> at least. His name is? Jesus. Okay, so Jesus is God's solution to this graves situation. Okay, he, is, he comes and he, he dies on the cross, defeats the grave, and he rises again so that we could get back to garden status right? So that we could get back into the garden, so that we could reconnect with the Lord. This was, this was the, the plan for him, okay? So, so when Adam and Eve ate that forbidden fruit, everything changed, and Adam and Eve were kicked out of the garden. And when all that happened, a lot of things changed. It wasn't just like, oh, they lost their chance to go to heaven, because there really was no concept of going to heaven. God's plan was to be on the earth, with, be there in the garden with them. And we'll get into that in just a minute. But, um, but everything changed, and God immediately starts a plan to bring people back into the garden. He starts it right away and works through this lineage of the Old Testament, all these people, and it culminates in Jesus and what he did for us, right? And so we're leading up to Easter, and uh, it's a time when we celebrate what Jesus did for us. And so we're kind of looking at, at this in a different way, because so many people, when they think of Jesus, they just think of getting saved and going to heaven what a lot of pastors call fire insurance, right? They just don't want to go to hell, right? And so, but the reality is, is there's so many more things that we were supposed to have with the Lord before that we're missing in life today. But if we can get back to the garden, we can have those things here before heaven. You don't have to wait to heaven to have a kingdom of heaven life, right? You don't have to wait to go to the garden in heaven. You, you can have it here today. And, and that's because that's the Lord sent Jesus to die on the cross, defeat the grave, and rise again for us. Amen? Okay. So last week we started out by looking at why Eve ate the fruit. And uh, if, if you read in Genesis, it says that the fruit was desirable, that it was a desire of hers to eat it. When she saw it and she heard that it would produce good things in her life from the devil, he said this, she desired it. Her feelings said, do that. That would feel good to have that, Right? But when we fast forward into the New Testament and we read about, um, about desires and feelings, do you remember my challenge for you last week? It was go online and say, what does the Bible say uh, I'm supposed to do with my feelings? And nowhere in the Bible will you, say, will, will you find that it says follow your feelings. It says crucify your desires and your passions and live for the Lord. That's very different than follow your feelings, right? It's very different. Um, and so, so basically, live for God, not yourself, right? I said it this way last week. I said, who do you live for, the Father or your feelings? Because the devil wants you to do what feels good. How many people like to do what feels good? It's okay, you can raise your hand. My hand's up. I like to do what feels good, right? Like, 
We like to do what feels good. We want to do what feels good. And the devil will twist that and take that to to present you and tempt you with things that feel good, but they're not of God. And so if he can draw you away to following your feelings instead of the father, then he's one, right? Then he's got you right where he wants you. And so who do you live for? The father or your feelings? And I challenged you last week to really evaluate, are you living for your own feelings or are you living for the father, right? And and what's interesting is that the very first command that God gave all of humanity was go and be what? Fruitful. And the devil's so cunning, the thing that he tempts Eve with is fruit. And so he takes this concept of go and be fruitful and he teaches it or he, he misconstrues it with Eve to be fill yourself with fruit. But God never called us to just fill ourselves up and be consumers. He asked us to contribute, to be fruitful and have fruit come out of us. The fruit of the spirit, right? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, self-control, right? Can you rip them off that fast by, by memory? I've only said that like a hundred times. Um, but anyway, we are suppo- supposed to produce those things in our life. And so that takes action, not feelings, Okay. All right. So today we're going to talk about another thing that was lost when we left the garden. But before we do, let's bow our heads. Let's pray. So Father, thank you so much for everybody that's here. Thank you that we have this opportunity uh, to, to gather in this place together to worship you. God, that we have this opportunity to, to be in a time of worship where the Holy Spirit is speaking to us about laying things down and, and about really uh, putting you at the forefront of our lives. God, I pray that as we get into the word today, that your Holy Spirit speaks to us about our life and the things that, that maybe we need to change, some adjustments we need to make. God, give us ears that hear you speaking, hearts that understand what you're saying, and minds that want to live out this instruction that you're giving us. And God, do, do your best to filter me out of this so that it's really all about you and your word. In Jesus' name, and everybody says, amen. amen. All right. So last week, I'm going to go. You guys ready? Jump in? Okay. Last week when we left off in Genesis, Adam and Eve had just sinned and they hid from God when he was walking in the cool of the morning, right? When he was walking through the garden and he's calling out to them, Adam and Eve, where are you, right? And so uh, real quick, like every time I've heard, I've read that a number of times. I don't know how many times I've read it. It's not like a thousand. I mean, I know it. And uh, you, you know that, that story. And, uh, and every time I've heard it taught and it comes up, this thought pops into my mind and it's, wouldn't it be incredible to be in a place where every day you could literally get up and walk around with the Lord? Like, and I'm not like trying to do that and like I'm tricking you into like, you can do that right now. I mean, you can't do that right now, but, but I mean, physically you get up, God is walking through the apple orchard and you go over and you get to stand next to him and walk with him and talk with him. Wouldn't that be incredible? It, it would be unbelievable to be able to just walk in the presence of God and be there all the time. You, were, you would be so close with him to, to have this opportunity to be that tight with him. And, and for Adam and Eve, when they were in the garden before sin, God wasn't some king sitting on a throne. He was like a, literally a father walking in the garden with them, talking with them about life, being that close to him. But when they were removed from the garden because of their sin, everything changed. And no longer was God this loving father who wanted to spend all this, or, you know, who they could spend all this time with. Instead, he became more like the almighty God, the king, the Lord. 
And their status went from being close like a family, like a child of his, walking hand in hand with him, to servants, to slaves, to the king. It's a big shift. I mean, it's like tight relationship to, I, I tremble to be even in the presence of God. It's a big change that happens. And we, we can see that in the very next thing that happens with Cain and Abel. You guys remember that? Adam and Eve's kids, right? They don't, they don't walk with the Lord, even though the Lord is present. It even says that the Lord is there at times and he speaks to them and, and all of that stuff, but, but they don't walk with the Lord. They have, the, the whole story of Ad, or Cain and Abel is that they bring to, an offering to God, right? They, for the, Abel brings from his, his flocks and Cain brings from the fields because he's a farmer and, and got, they're unequal sacrifices though, right? And so the, the whole mentality of who God is immediately after Adam and Eve, it's no longer, hey, pops, you know, it's like now it's, it's, he's this almighty God that I must tremble before. You know the story of Cain and Abel, right? Cain's sacrifice was not from the first of his fruits, first of his fields. And God says, bring me the first of the fields. And instead of doing that, Cain's feelings get the best of him. He follow the father. Or do you follow the feelings? He, all he had to do was bring the first fruits to the Lord at that point and have redemption. But instead, he lets his feelings guide him and he kills his brother and then everything just continues to go in different directions. The whole feeling of who God was changed when they left the garden. How many would like to get back to the garden? I'd like to get back to the garden. Humanity was no longer God's family. They were his servants. And for that matter, they weren't even servants, like, like they weren't servant, servants automatically. They had to choose. That's why I feel like we read through the Old Testament history and this king followed the Lord and everything went the way God wanted it to go. And then the next king would go against the Lord and they'd all fall apart. You guys know that like you read through it, you're like, oh my goodness, what is going on? It's like, it's like God's people are, are bipolar, right? One king is, follows God, the next one falls away and it's just the cycle that happens it's because even though that we're out of the garden and we're now in a servant position with the Lord we don't even a lot of people don't even choose to serve the Lord and that still happens today right and so Jesus makes it possible to get back to the garden he makes it possible for us to reconnect to the father in a father way you don't even read really about the father in the old testament it's almighty God it's the great I am it's God the creator it's, it's all of these other names for God and then Jesus comes on the scene and God becomes the father again. So you can have the father again if you wanna go back to the garden. So let's look at how, uh, how this all happened or is described in Romans. So we're gonna read in Romans 8, verse 10. It says this, but if Christ is in you, then even though your body is subject to death because of sin, the spirit gives life because of righteousness. And if the spirit of him who raised Jesus Christ from the dead is living in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies because of his spirit who lives in you. That sounds good, right? So what that's saying is that when you receive Christ, the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead, the spirit of God himself lives in you, okay? And even though we, we will die a fleshly, earthly life, that our spirit will live with him. That's something to get excited about, okay? So then it says this in verse 12. It says, therefore, Brothers and sisters. Brothers and sisters. It's a family term. It says we have an obligation, but it is not to the flesh to live according to it, according to the spirit. 
For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the spirit you put to death the misdeeds of the body, you will live. Verse 14. For those who are led by the spirit of God are the children of God. So if you're wondering about this whole family thing, literally, the Bible says that you are children of God. Listen to verse 15. The spirit you received does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship. And by him we cry, Abba, Father. Do you know what Abba means? Abba really, in the, the root form of it, means daddy. It means that you, you have a father in heaven who isn't this untouchable God, but he wants to be like your daddy. Like our first uh, part of our mission statement here is reach up to God as your source. And I always use the example of when my kids get hurt. And, you know, they raise their hands up to me and they go, daddy, because they're hurt. This is, this is the posture that we should have with the father. We have that kind of relationship if we've made Christ Lord of our lives. He wants to be your close father, like Adam and Eve walking in the garden. That's what he wants. And this is, this is New Testament. This is what he wants because of Jesus, right? Verse 16 says, the spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Now, if we are children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ, if indeed we share in his sufferings in order that we may also share in his glory. So there's a statement in that that, that jumped out to me that I thought was kind of funny. I've always felt it was kind of weird when Christians called each other brother and sister, right? It's just like, hey, brother, hey, brother Ross. I'm like, I don't know you. <laughs> Turn to your neighbor and call him brother or sister. That was kind of vague. Like, I don't know what you actually said to them, but if you turned to a woman and you said, brother, you were wrong. Like, okay. It's just, I don't know if it's a Southern thing or if it's the style of church you grew up in, but my, my, at our church, there was, that was never a thing. You didn't call somebody brother, but, but that's really what, what happens when somebody makes a decision to make Jesus Lord over their life, they're joined into the family. And a family isn't a building you walk into, or church isn't a building you walk into, it's a family you belong to, right? Like, I believe that we are the family of God, and that this is what God has intended for us, is to be close like a family. That's why I love our church's uh, uh, vision statement. It's not even a statement, it's one word, family. Somebody says, what's the vision of the church that you go to? It's one word, family. We want to be a family. A healthy family, right? Because not all families are healthy. Lord, help us, right? Like, like, we should be a healthy family. And I, and I can really explain that to you with Scripture, what I mean. Because there's a lot of families that aren't healthy. There's a lot of families where, where in the home it's not a good place. But let me, let me read to you. We already read the Scripture. I'm going to read it again. And it's really talking about what the family of God should look like. Uh, Romans 8, 14 says, for those who are led by the spirit of God are the children of God. 15 says, the spirit you receive does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the spirit we, you receive brought about your adoption to sonship and by him, by that spirit, by the spirit that raised Christ from the dead, we cry, daddy or very close father, like intimate relationship with the father. I think it's interesting that that verse 15 says that you no longer live as slaves, which is what the Old Testament people were before. There was, they lived in the grave, and now they can come to the garden, right? You no longer live as slaves and in fear. And when we talk about a healthy family, we talk a fam about a family, a home where there's not fear. Because there's a lot of homes that are filled with fear, right? Yeah. 
There's a, there, and, and there are a lot of Christians who still believe that they need to be afraid of the Father. Through misconception, misconceptions and quotes and things that are taken out of context and through all kinds of different things, it's like we need to tremble with fear in the presence of the Lord. No, 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 no. Adam and Eve didn't tremble with fear in the presence of the Lord until after they sinned. Before they sinned, when God walked in the cool of the garden, they ran to their father to walk with him. So where are you? When you think of God, are you fearful that you're not good enough? Your sin has you hiding? Or do you want to get up and run to your father? Because if you've made Jesus Lord of your life, if you have accepted the, the same spirit that lived in him, raised him from the dead, into your life, then you don't have any sin to worry about. Because you were made righteous through the blood of Jesus Christ. That's why we celebrate Easter, right? Because all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. But because of Jesus, God sees us through his blood. You're not supposed to be afraid of God. You're supposed to be excited to sit on your dad's lap while you watch a movie. It's like my favorite thing. I was watching a movie the other day, and our youngest, Owen, came in, and, and the dog was on my lap, and he like, shoved the dog out of the way. <laughs> and, and he, like, climbed out of my lap. And um, there will be an age where he stops doing that. I don't want it to end because that's a time where I feel so close. That's the kind of relationship God wants with you. Are you that close with God? Would you like to be that close with God? Mm. Has anybody here ever done Ancestry.com? Anybody? Okay, a couple people, not that many. I have not. Um, but uh, but my, my wife's, Allison's mom and her grandmother have gotten into this whole like family legacy, learning about the family. So they did Ancestry.com. And on spring break, a couple weeks ago, we were down at her parents' place in Florida and grandma lives right next door. Grandma came over and we're sitting there eating dinner and we're talking and she goes, oh yeah, I just got my Ancestry.com thing. And you wouldn't believe it. My cousin was Elvis Presley. I was like, what? She's like, yep, my cousin was Elvis Presley. And I knew it. One of my aunts was always telling me about how Elvis Presley was my cousin. And I was like, yeah, right, whatever. She's like, I even went to one of Elvis's concerts. I could have been like, hey, cuz, can I come backstage? Like, like she, she's just a trip. And I'm like, really? Elvis Presley? That's crazy. It does nothing for me because I'm, you know, I'm, I'm married into the family. But that means my wife has some relation to Elvis Presley, and so do my kids. So my question is, is there any money anywhere that we could get? Like, for, like, I mean, there's got to be something left, right? Like, I mean, not for me. Wink, wink. Right? Like, is there, is it, I mean, an inheritance, right? I would love to have an inheritance from, from Elvis. I thought that was hilarious. And I'm not joking. If you're watching the live stream and you somehow know that there's money from Elvis that could be trickled down to my family, <laughs> call the church. We're open from 8 to 2 every time, every day. <laughs> no. I'm not really joking. I'm trying to move on. Um, but in reality, being part of a family means that you belong to something, Right? It means that you're connected to something. And it also, in, in many times, it means that 
There's an inheritance connected to that. Now, for some of us, <laughs> there's no money to be had in an inheritance or no homes to be had in an inheritance, but there is a legacy. There is life that has been passed down from generation to generation. There are character traits in the way that we look, right? There are some character traits in the way that we act. And, and so there is an inheritance to being part of any family, right? Did you know that when you were adopted into God's family, that you were put on a list to receive an inheritance? Like the Bible says it. Let me read it to you in this, in this place. This is interesting. Ephesians 1.13, it says, And you also were included in Christ when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation. When you believed, made Jesus Lord of your life, when you believed, you were marked with him, in him with a seal. That seal was the promised holy what? So the Holy Spirit does a lot of different things. And that word spirit comes up again. And last week we talked about the fruit of the spirit. Today we've read scriptures that talk about living a life of the spirit, about how our lives are redeemed through the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead, that we're filled with that spirit. Okay. So when we make Jesus Lord of our life, we are marked with the Holy Spirit. I want to read 13 again. And now we're going to continue into 14. Okay, it says, And you also were included in Christ when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation. When you believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who, verse 14, is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of his glory. That line is really interesting those who are God's possession. Let's go back to the garden. God creates the garden. He puts the trees and all the stuff in the garden, animals. He makes man and he puts man and woman in the garden. Really, we were God's possession. He created us. He loved us. We were his until Adam and Eve decided to walk away. But this says that if we receive salvation through Christ, that we are marked with the Holy Spirit, that we are on the list for the inheritance that God has for us, and we are now again his possession. We went from garden to garden, right? Isn't that cool? I, when I read scripture and stuff like that comes out, it, it, I think it's just so powerful. And it should speak to you about how important you are to God that he goes through so many years of this process to get Jesus here and that he hasn't stopped even 2,000 years later. There's a statement that kept going through my head this week and I wanted to figure out a way to get it into my message. And so I just put it in here <laughs> and it's this, it's family is who you are, not who you follow. Like your family is who you are. Whether you live with your family now or not, or you've stayed in contact with them or not, you are part of that family. You carry the resemblance of that family. You carry the, the genetics and the blood and the things that have been passed biologically through that family to you. A family is who you are, not who you follow. But there's a combination thing here that happens that, that we do have to make a choice spiritually to follow Jesus. We do have to make a choice to say, I want to follow Jesus. But, but the day and the moment and the time when you sincerely say to God, yes, 
I'm making Jesus Lord of my life. You are part of his family. There's no question. There's no, I wonder if I made it in or if I'm, if I'm going to mess up or this or that. You are part of the family from that moment on. You are part of that inheritance. You are marked by the Holy Spirit. You are marked with the name of Jesus in your life. But how many know that when you're part of a family, sometimes there's certain things you, you kind of are obligated to do because you're part of that family, like family reunions. <laughs> you, know, you know what I mean. Like there are certain requirements in to, to really be part of a family. Now, not everybody does those. Not everybody fulfills those in their earthly family. And quite honestly, not everybody fulfills those in their godly family. Let me read this to you. We're going to go back to Romans 8. And we're going to read verses 11 and 12. It says, And if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give you life to your mortal bodies because of his spirit who lives in you. Therefore, brothers and sisters, we have an obligation, but, not, but it's not to the flesh, to live according to it. That's a confusing line. What's it talking about? What do we have an obligation to? We have an obligation to the spirit to live according to the spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, self-control. We have, we have an obligation to say, I'm going to live this way because I'm part of the family. Like my, my uncle is just obsessed with family legacy. And it is like the most boring subject ever. We go up, the boys, our boys have started coming up to gun season deer camp with us. And my uncle Scott has a hot tub. So everybody's freezing cold after going out and not seeing any deer. And we all go and we go sit in the hot tub and it's not three seconds in the hot tub. He's like, no, let me tell you boys about great, great grandpa Arnold, what kind of guy he is. And I've heard this story 17 times. And, and it's like, I look at my dad, I'm like, really? He's like, yep. The kids are like, we want to go inside and play Minecraft. And he's like, nope, sit down. Let me tell you about great, great grandpa Arnold and what kind of guy he was and all this stuff. So, so this happened again this year. And I get after the hot tub. I'm like, dad, oh, you can see the kids are bored. They're not getting anything out of this. He goes, oh, I wouldn't be so sure. He's like, even though that's annoying to you, he said, Uncle Scott starts talking about the men in our family and the kind of men that they were. And then we see what kind of men are still living today. And it's teaching your sons about what kind of men they're supposed to be in the future. It's like, come on, dad. <laughs> but then of course I find myself every now and then, but is that really how our great uncle Arnold would do it? You know, I think like, who's uncle Arnold or grandpa Arnold. No, but, but really, I've said to my kids, I don't know if you've ever done this with your kids or when you were a kid, you were told this. I've said to them, we're shears and shears don't act that way. If you're gonna be my boys or my daughter, you're never gonna talk like that. You're never gonna act like that. You're gonna have respect for people. And have you ever had that conversation or been in that conversation? I have. And, uh, and it's because that name means something to me. I think the name of Jesus should mean something to us. And that if you've been marked with that name, there are certain standards of living 
It's not that we got to beat you into submission or the Lord wants to take everything away from you. The Lord is saying, hey, if you're going to have my name, there's a certain way that you live. There's a few obligations that being part of this fam- that comes along with being part of this family. Listen, it's going to be awesome. There's promises throughout the Bible. It's going to be abundant. I've got so much in store for you. There's, there's all these things. But listen, what I need from you, son, what I need from you, daughter, is I need you to do these things. First command, produce fruit, fruit of the Spirit. I, I love the video, you know, and because again, what, what would the world be like without sin? Or what would a family be like without sin? Apparently be quiet. Um, but on top of that, they listed the fruits of the Spirit again. Like what, what, if we, what if we really as children of a father who loved us so much that he gave everything for us, what if we were also the kind of children that would say, I wanna honor my father with every part of my life? Let's go back to the garden. It's the way it should be. Let's bow our heads, let's pray. Hmm, Father, thank you so much for today. I thank you for your Holy Spirit and how it speaks to us about our lives, about who we are, who we're supposed to be. Father, I just pray today for for those people during worship who thought of that thing they needed to lay at the feet of the cross, foot of the cross. And God, I do pray today that you change and rearrange their life, that that thing that that they put at the foot of the cross would be covered by the blood of Jesus and that it would no longer be something that's stuck in their life, that it would be a thing that they could surrender and they could really find life without that or find life through that, whatever it was, that, that you would be taking over that situation. And God, I just pray that we, as your children, would begin to see you in a new way. We would understand that we don't need to be afraid of you, that instead we can run to you, that we can sit on your lap, that you're going to wrap us up in your arms, that you desire connection with us more than anything else. God, I pray you would motivate us to be children who carry the name of Jesus proudly and that when we see you in the future, at the end of this earthly life, you can look at us and say, well done, my son. Well done, my daughter. You've carried my name well. With everybody's eyes closed, if you're here, and you haven't uh, started a life with the Lord, but you want to today. It's real simple. You can make Jesus Lord of your life today by starting, by, by declaring that you want to, that you're going to make Jesus Lord of your life and you're gonna begin to submit the things in your life to him. You're not gonna live by your feelings anymore. You're gonna live according to the Father and according to his word and according to what Jesus teaches us. You can start that today and you can walk into the destiny and the life that God has for you. You can become part of the family of God. There are obligations to being part of that, but there's also incredible benefits to knowing that the Father in heaven wants to walk with you every day of your life. If this is you today and you want to start this life with Christ, this life with God, with everybody's eyes closed, just lift your hand up. Is there anybody that wants to make that decision? All right, I see a bunch of hands. Hands all over. All right, you can put your hands down. Now, I saw your hands, but God saw your heart. And he knows why you raised your hand today. He knows why you feel encouraged and motivated to do that. And I'm telling you, he wants to walk with you through your destiny to the end. So we're gonna 
today as a church, pray together and invite Christ into your life. But it's now your job to start walking in his direction, to start working through the fruits of the spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, self-control. Like to, to start applying those things to your life and seeing how God changes your direction and brings you on the path that he wants you to be on. So as a church family, let's just uh, pray these words together. Say, Lord, thank you for loving me. Thank you for sending Jesus to die on the cross, defeat the grave, and to rise again so that I could be saved, so I could go back to the garden, so that I could be close to you, so that I could walk with you every day. God, I want to be close to you. I want to hear your voice. I want to feel you leading me. Today I choose to make Jesus Lord of my life. I don't want to live my way anymore. I want to live your way. So lead me into the life you created for me. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Come on, let's celebrate together. If this message touched you in any way and you'd like to talk to someone at the church, you can reach us online at rlcbr.org. Search for us on Facebook. And if you're in the Big Rapids area, visit us on Sunday morning at our location in Big Rapids or the church right across the street from Menards.